What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, gig worker news and interviews, only at RidesharerRodeo.com. I'm your host, SJ, and it's time to get it on. Hi, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a afternoon edition of Rideshare Rodeo Live. I am so excited to have Kim Cavan with us here today. And uh, it's been a minute since we've had Kim. So, Kim, welcome back to the show. Uh, it's great to see you. It's great to see you, too. I'm hoping that today we can get a little bit of understanding of what's going on. And I know that I say that very lighthearted because I know that even just before we came on, it's everything's a question mark over it right now. Like you and I were kind of going, I don't know, like to some things like it's just, it's not, it's not cemented enough for me to understand. So I think that uh, what we were talking about before we started is a good idea. I think that maybe you could walk us through a little bit of the, of the history uh, and uh, maybe bring us up to speed here with that before we get into what this, new rule change and the new definition for the six six prongs now i guess <laughs> the six prong test, I don't know. they've been coming at us with so many things from so many angles for so many years now it's a little hard right so maybe just a quick recap right um oh but before kim starts let me do introduce introduce who kim is so kim is a author um she also writes for uh newspapers she's uh, the co-founder of uh, uh, Freelancers for, I already messed it up, Fight for Freelancers. Fight for Freelancers. Fight Fight for freelancers. freelancers.org. Um, and uh, she's editor. I mean, she's been she's been around the block, but she's also, a, a, she didn't include this in her when we were talking, but I needed to add this because she's a big fighter of our rights. I mean, Kim's like Ben, she's like that first person in line to, you know, to get down there. Cause I, we were joking about the caddies. Like nobody really had a radar on that, but you were down there fighting, literally fighting me and Debbie Kaplan, another one of the co-founders of fight for freelancers. Yeah. Well, um, our group was started in, we founded it in 2019 when I know that the listeners of your show are very familiar with California's assembly bill five law. Yes. That's, that's kind of when we came to be, uh, in New Jersey. So, and that's a good place to start actually, uh, our conversation. So, What's happening today is an outgrowth of what started in 2019 in California, where you had that Assembly Bill 5 get pushed through into law, and it was based on this language called the ABC test, which I know you've talked a lot about on your show. It's it's a three-factor test, ABC, and they changed it in a way that made it almost impossible for anybody to pass the B prong in particular that said, if you're in the same line of business as whoever's hiring you, you can no longer be an independent contractor. You have to be an employee. And the goal, 
the stated goal by the people who passed it, every article that came out about it, it was all that we're going to make all these freelancers, independent contractors, consultants, they're all going to become employees now, and then they can be in unions and their lives will be better. That was the goal. It was it was a bill intended to help unions with their historically low membership numbers. And that was the promise. And as we all know, because I know you've talked about it on the show, not what actually happened. Uh, what actually happened in California with that uh, anti-independent contractor law was independent contractors just losing money and losing clients and in some cases losing careers. And it, and it happened to all kinds of people, financial advisors, court reporters, graphic designers, translators, interpreters. You, know, you all saw very in-depth, I know you've talked about the battle against Uber and Lyft that the state tried with AB5. It was mad. Non-profits. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was, it was so many professions that Less than a year later, the state of California had to go back and pass an emergency measure. They ultimately exempted, at least partially, more than 100 professions from this ABC test. And as I know your listeners are all well aware, right after that, Prop 22 came through and the voters, by a margin of just about 60-40, said, yeah, we're going to exempt those folks too, the, the rideshare drivers and this is all stupid and stop what you're doing, lawmakers. Nobody wants this. Nobody thinks this is a good idea. Horrible. So that happened in California. Right after that ABC test law went through in California, you know, kind of around the rest of the country, we were looking at it and going, wow, those crazy Californians, what are they doing out there? I don't understand. You know, sucks to be them. Glad I don't live there. This is weird. But immediately after that ABC test law went through in California, there were copycat bills introduced in other blue states, including my state, New Jersey. There was another one introduced in New York. And all of a sudden you started seeing in the press in Illinois, they were going to introduce one there. And it very quickly became clear that the California ABC test bill was supposed to be the start of a national rollout of this policy that was going to be the biggest reclassification of independent contractors and employees pretty much in, in history of the country. They, they wanted to reshape the workforce. And so what you saw happen because of all the problems in California, you saw people like us kind of started being real big mouths in the press and whatnot out in New Jersey. That scared the New Jersey lawmakers enough that they couldn't get that copycat bill through. The lawmakers in New York saw what was happening in California. They saw everybody screaming in New Jersey. They said, well, maybe we'll think about this a little longer. And they pulled back on what they were doing. Illinois saw what was happening and said, yeah, I don't even think we're going to introduce the bill right now. You know, it all just kind of everybody retreated to their corner and was like staring over the fence at each other. Like, <laughs> like what's going to happen next? At which point. This same ABC test from California all of a sudden showed up in a federal bill called the Protecting the Right to Organize Act, the PRO Act. It was it was placed right on page one. And the PRO Act, it's a version of what they did in California. It would only affect one area of federal law, but it's kind of like in a war. First, you got to take the beach and then you can move your troops inland and get more land. They're trying to find a way to take the beach. They, they first thought they could take the beach by 
going state by state and getting it through. That was how they were going to get their their foothold so they could advance their plan. When that failed, they decided to try with this federal bill. And what happened with the federal bill, it passed the U.S. House and then didn't go anywhere because at the time Donald Trump was the president and he said, yeah, I'm not passing this. There was no chance of it going. But very soon after that, we had the elections in 2020. And as we all know, the Democrats took control of the U.S. House of Representatives, the U.S. Senate and the White House. So now all of a sudden they could get it through if they wanted to. And they immediately passed it again, almost immediately in the U.S. House. It went to the U.S. Senate where three moderate Democrats stood up and said no. They said, we saw what happened in California. Two of them went on the record. Um, Senator Mark Warner in Virginia and Senator Mark Kelly in Arizona went on the record and said, we don't like this part about the independent contractors. We're seeing what happened in California. People don't like this. People don't want this. It's not working out. So they couldn't get the people who want this, who want to reclassify huge swaths of independent contractors as employees. Now they've now they've failed at the legislative level in most of the states they've tried. Now they're blocked in the legislative branch of government at the federal level too. That gets us to where we are now because now they're trying to find other ways to get where they to make happen what they want to happen. So with the legislative path blocked, they're moving to the executive branch of government, right? You got three branches of government, right? You got the courts, you got the legislatures, and you've got the executive branch. Executive branch at the federal level, that's the White House and all the agencies they control, like the Treasury Department, the Commerce Department, the Defense Department. In this case, what's happening now is with the Labor Department. Um, they're going to try to do a... a a bit of an end run to get as close as they can to what they really wanted through some rulemaking at the labor department. Are you with me so far? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Is everybody else with us so far? <laughs> it's a lot, right? So there's more to take. There's more to swallow here, guys. So stay tuned. So you got to first understand who is actually doing this in the labor department. What happened when President Biden came in was he, like most presidents do, started filling these departments with people he wanted in the in the leadership so he could get the policies he wanted through. In the Labor Department, he installed Labor Secretary Marty Walsh, who before he became a public official was a union organizer. Under Marty Walsh, he brought in Julie Sue, a name people might recognize in California because she was a public official there who was involved with AB5 and telling Uber and Lyft drivers to apply for unemployment to see if they were misclassified and that kind of thing. Under her, they brought in a woman named Nikki McKinney into the Labor Department. Nikki McKinney was the one prior to that, if you had scheduled a meeting to talk with the senator who was the primary sponsor of the PRO Act in the United States Senate, Nikki McKinney is the one you got the meeting with. She was the one writing the ABC test into page one of the bill. Um, she's the one we did a, a phone meeting with where we explained to her that our best case scenario with that ABC test was we went from having a business with 30 or 35 clients to overnight having 30 or 35 part-time bosses which to normal people sounds crazy, but she said, yeah, I see no problem with that. So this is the people now in the labor department who 
are going to try to advance this cause. They're still trying to take the beach, right? <laughs> In the battle. And now they're, they're going to try to do it with rulemaking. So these people came in to the Labor Department. And the first thing they did was try to get rid of the existing rule that the Labor Department uses to determine who's an employee and who's an independent contractor. And you have to understand where that rule came from. It's weird, but up until the Trump administration, there wasn't actually a rule in place at the U.S. Labor Department to determine independent contractor versus employee. They kind of looked at what the courts were doing and, and, and went with that. But when the Labor Secretary under President Trump, his name was Eugene Scalia. He's the son of uh, Supreme Court Justice Scalia. Um, when Labor Secretary Eugene Scalia saw what was going on with AB5 and everything in the states, and he said, well, we're going to make an actual rule. The Obama administration before that had done like a, a big, long guidance note where they said, yeah, we're going to try to crack down on some of this misclassification and, and people who should really be employees. But the Trump administration, Labor Department, they came in and said, no, we're going to make an actual rule. And so at the end of the Trump administration, the Labor Department actually implemented a rule that legitimate independent contractors can pass. It's not like AB5. And, and in fact, when he, when he implemented it, Secretary Scalia wrote, we, we see what's happening <laughs> with AB5 and we don't want to broadly redefine who independent contractors are, we think that's wrong. We want to just have a test that is reasonable and, and that legitimate freelancers and independent contractors can pass. So that was what was in place when Joe Biden started restacking the Labor Department with all these folks who, who really very much wanted the ABC test. All that makes sense so far? Good. Keep going. Okay. I see you saying yes, I can't hear you, but um, okay. I think you're muted, maybe. So I was muting to make sure that you were heard, but yes, I, I, I'm you're with following. Me. As, okay. long as, as long as I don't see anything in the, in the chat saying that anybody else is confused, so far, so good, though. We're good. Okay. So now you've got these folks in the Labor Department. The first thing they try to do is get rid of the rule that the Trump administration had put in. And their first try didn't go so well. The courts um, slapped them and basically said, you did this wrong. You didn't follow the rules you're supposed to follow when you change a rule like this. And so you have to go back to the Trump rule. So that was their first try. And now we're on their second try. So they just recently dropped. They announced, OK, well, we're just going to make a new rule. They've been going through the process of doing this. They started by doing uh, public hearings over the summer. They were done on Zoom. Um, right from the get-go, they announced two public hearings, one for employers and one for workers. They did not announce one for actual independent contractors. <laughs> so right out of the gate, you understand who these people are and where they're coming from. Those public hearings were so overrun by actual independent contractors screaming no, that they had to break them into multiple meetings sometimes and still people were waiting to talk and didn't get a chance to talk. You know, the ratio was like, I don't know, 10 independent contracts for every one person who wanted to do this. Maybe not even that many. Um, 
it was just a deluge of angry independent contractors in those public hearings. They, they failed to record those public hearings. So in one of the hearings, they told people who were participating that they couldn't record them either. The whole thing was all just very clearly meant to be a puppet theater show. The next thing that happened was they did invitation only meetings to discuss how they were going to write the rule. And it does become a matter of public information who they held those meetings with. Again, independent contractors, nowhere at the table to be found. They had a couple meetings with some representatives from like the financial services industry, the construction industry, like more higher level association kind of people. And then they had a bunch of meetings with people like there was one whole meeting for union organizers trying to organize rideshare drivers. There was one whole meeting held for the National Employment Law Project people. That is a think tank that is union funded and the president of its board of directors is the head of the AFL-CIO. So you can see who's writing this rule and what they're, it's all the same people now just moving over into the labor department who'd been trying to do this through legislation. What they eventually dropped was a 184 page monstrosity of a proposed rule, which I do not recommend anyone read unless you have insomnia or you are interested in like becoming an alcoholic because you just can't even, it, it, it breaks your brain going through it. Um, but I have read through it. And what they did was they said, they said one thing and then they did another thing. What they said is, we can't do the ABC. We love the ABC test. We think the ABC test is great, but we don't think we can do that without an act of Congress or a ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court. We think it would exceed our authority to do that. And they are correct, in, in my opinion. So that was, that was a relief that they didn't try to overshoot it that way. But what they, they said they're going to do is we're just going to go back to the way things were in the Obama administration. And we're going to use this six factor test, which unlike ABC, where you can't you pass, you fail one prong, you're done, you're an employee. We're going to give you six factors in a test and you can pass some and fail some. And we're going to look at everything and figure it out. But what they did was they also added in explanations of how they plan to interpret each of the six factors. And it's in those interpretations that you hear all the lawyers and experts saying, well, hang on a minute. These have never been used this way before. It's kind of like if you had someone saying, okay, we're going to play a game with a baseball bat and you're expecting them to swing the bat at the ball and they instead start swinging it at people's heads. They're using the factors they're saying they're going to interpret the factors in ways that are not historically the way they have been interpreted. And we, we can go one by one through these and talk about it. But at the end of the day, they're saying they're going to interpret these six factors in ways that this can misclassify legitimate independent contractors as employees. It's kind of like having a, a crooked umpire calling balls and strikes behind the plate. And, and because of who they are, you can see why that happened, right? They're, they're trying to get as close as they can get to that California ABC test in a way that they think they will be able to survive what's inevitably going to be a giant battle in the courts. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I, to me, it almost feels like a placeholder. Like they don't, 
it's almost like the ABC test and how AB5 became AB2257 and they had to do all these other carve outs to get the group smaller and who can, else can we whittle down. I feel like this is like the big net thrown out and it's like, well, we'll just figure it out after the fact. They definitely are no carve outs for sure in what they're doing here. And they right. definitely know they're going to get sued. So <laughs> how many people will sue them? I don't know, but it's going to be more than one is. is so when I was looking at the process of a rule change, though, it normally takes a year or two, right? Well, by law, what we're in now is the public comment phase. The 45 days. <clears throat> so they have to accept public comments. If you go to federalregister.gov and you type in independent contractor, it's the first one that comes up. You click on it, you click through, you can file a public comment that says I'm for this or against this. Um, that process has been completely overrun by spam and bots at this point. Uh, um, I counted the other day, uh, one guy had submitted 10 comments, like a bot had submitted 10 comments in one guy's name. Like, you know, it's it's a completely out of control spam fest where uh, prior to that happening, there was about 2,000, 2,100 comments. Most of them, the vast majority of them were people like us saying, hey, stop what you're doing. It was financial advisors, court reporters. Um, there, I saw a few gig drivers in there, just people saying, stop, this is not okay with us. And then all of a sudden, one day, it just started to get overrun with this spam. And and it's just, it's like it's operating on a loop where it's dumping a thousand comments a day into the system. So we're now in that public comment phase. That will go on until they just extended it into December. It was supposed to end right after Thanksgiving. Now it's going to go on until December. And once that's over, by law, they have to read the comments. Now, I assume from what lawyers have explained to me, they're going to just throw away all the spammy stuff that there's, you know, 7,000 of the same comment being just dumped into the system. So what, what we're encouraging people to do is write real comments and explain how this would actually affect them because those they actually have to read and respond to. And it goes into the public record and that all becomes fodder that can be used later in lawsuits. So it's important to participate in that process. Even though you know these people are not on our team, they're going to do everything in their power to try to reclassify as many of us as they can. You want to make you want to give them a good fight because you you just might win as we saw in in the states and in the pro act, right? Right. So after they do that, they have to give their response and then they can implement the rule. Everything I've I've been told, everything I've seen is that that is most likely to happen in the spring or summer of 2023, at which point they are immediately going to get sued. People have publicly said they're going to sue them. Uh, I know from private conversations, people are going to, there's going to be multiple lawsuits filed against the U.S. Labor Department. Probably what happens at that point is at least one judge ties this thing up, puts a stay of some kind on it. And then lawyers fight for like a year or so. And uh, then we see how it all shakes out on the other end. Yeah. Uh, this Good is, times, uh, huh? Good times. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's just baffling to me because, again, everybody's looking at AB5. And at, like you mentioned, a couple of Democrats even said, hey, we're not, we're not for this. We don't believe in this. This isn't good. Um, so... 
to the I, I know that right now even this rule change seems there seems to be a little more target on the back of the gig worker. Um, so I know that there's a lot we need to talk about, but do you agree with that? Do you agree that this is partially going after the gig worker to knock them right off there? Because I got to say, like the, after the Uber call yesterday or the Q3 call, I really am not that. I know that they can play well, but I'm not that sold that they seem that concerned. It's funny. I saw Dara, the the yeah. head of Uber on, I think it was CNBC the other day, right before that call. That guy's good at his job, man. His job is to keep everybody calm and keep the stock price up. And he's great at it. He he very calmly said, uh, we think we can handle this. We think this will be okay. And by the way, just as an aside, we're simultaneously going state to state and getting Prop 22 in place everywhere. And if right. I didn't understand these issues, I wouldn't have, have realized watching that, that those are two completely different things, <laughs> you know, right. like, yeah. and so clearly they are ready to fight and they are confident that they have a winning way to do it. It sounds, or he's projecting that they have a winning way to do it, but there's no doubt we're going to get to a line in this and you're going to go, well, wait a minute, they're hit, they're coming right at Uber and Lyft with this thing. Um, with one of the things we're going to talk about with the six factors. And with and, and the other gig platforms too, very much. The food platforms as well, very much. Yeah, th there's no doubt. And um, um, yeah, so I mean, let's let's look at that. Let's, yeah, let's let's talk about these six factors because I these, the are these are confusing. Right. So the first factor, they say they're going to look at the person's opportunity for profit or loss depending on managerial skill. They're saying additional considerations will include things like whether the worker accepts or declines jobs, which sounds good until you get to the part where they say, as we interpret this, we've decided that the decision to work more hours or take more jobs does not reflect the exercise of managerial skill. Independent, indicating independent contractor status. So in one part, they're saying, we're going to look at whether they accept or decline jobs as a way to determine if they have any managerial skill. And then they say, but we don't think that the ability to accept or decline jobs has anything to do with managerial skill. So right out of the gate, we've got them saying one thing, interpreting it another way, and how can you possibly comply? They're, they're, they're giving themselves a way to find you to be an employee no matter what, right? Yeah. I mean, that seems to be the case with all of this every step of the way. Every step of the way. So. That's problem with number one. Then you get into number two. This is the one that I think your audience is going to care the most about. They say they're going to look at the investments made by the worker and the employer. So according to what the, the DOL is saying, the person they're looking at to determine if they're an independent contractor must have invested in a way that make it clear that they're doing something entrepreneurial in nature. But then they say, and this is key for your listeners, they say the use of a personal vehicle or a vehicle leased by a worker to perform work will generally not indicate that you're an independent contractor. So you could 
you could lease a whole car to drive just for one of these rideshare companies because you want to do it as a business. And they're saying, yeah, that doesn't count. Right. Or, or delivery too. I got to keep saying that because there's a lot of people in the delivery space right now. All of that. Yeah. They're also saying under that second factor that the investment the person made, like let's say you spent $30,000 on that car, that's going to be considered on a relative basis with the employer's investments in overall business. So they're going to look at how much you spent, and then they're going to look at how much Grubhub spends to run its business. And they're going to decide if you're really a real business based on that. How can anyone pass that test? Yeah, I don't, you can't. You can't. It's you can't. Set up. It's like, it, it sounds like the B prog again or another B prog. We haven't even gotten to that one yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And that's, you know, that's, I don't know. I, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm confused by what this test even means because of the fact that when we get through it, there's still more that could be added. They don't even identify what that is. Right. So, so that's where they're specifically showing, um, they're showing their cards that they're coming after the folks who are the majority of your audience on the show. Number three out of six, they're going to look at the degree of permanence of the work relationship. If you are under a contract that is routinely or automatically renewed, that indicates employee status. And even if you have the ability to work for others, that doesn't necessarily make you an independent contractor. Now, I can tell you for somebody like me, I'm a freelance writer and editor. The way you build a business is with repeat clients. Yes. You you write a great story. The magazine's happy. You're happy. They paid you well. They say, hey, you want to write another story? You say, great. Eventually, they say, hey, you want to write a monthly column? You say, great. And you have like 10 of those. Well, now you got a, a, bit, a nice little business going, right? Yeah. Under this number three... None of that counts. In fact, it, it weighs in favor of you being an employee because you're spending one day a month writing that same column for that same client, which to me is insane. You're, you're, you're making it impossible to even have a business. Um, they're also saying under that number three, there they appear to be saying under that number three, that even if it's just seasonal or temporary work that's being done, that does not necessarily make you an independent contractor. So if you're, you know, in a landscaping company and you only pull work over the summers or something like that, still not good enough. Um, even if you've now bought all your own tools, you're picking up hours with six different landscaping companies, you're only doing it for the summer when you're not in college, still maybe not good enough to be an independent contractor. So I'm looking at, uh, uh, you know, Rod, uh, Jerry Courier, I'm sure from Twitter. I do. Yeah, so he Not lives in here person, in Denver. But I know oh. him from Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I actually know him in person. He lives here in Denver, so we've golfed. He's a friend of mine, so a uh, good guy. But he's saying that they put language in there about LLCs. Yeah, which is what we've been saying all along because the lawmakers have been telling us at the legislative branch too, LLC doesn't matter. Um, basically, anything you can do to try to establish a business doesn't matter is what they're saying. It, I mean, Karen, Karen, Karen Anderson is in here today. And I saw, you know, she was, an, I think if I'm remembering right, she was an S-Corp or is an S-Corp. And that didn't exempt her from AB5 either. 
I don't know if she was an S corp, but uh, I know of at least one other person in California who was, and it didn't save them. Their clients dumped them. She says S corp doesn't matter. Yeah, no, none of this matters. <laughs> because again, look at who is doing the rulemaking. This is people whose intent is to reclassify us. Right. So that brings us to number four. Number four, they're going to look at the nature and degree of the business's control over the worker. So facts relevant to that control would be things like setting the person's schedule, supervising how they do the work, if the employer is setting the rates, if the employer is limiting the person's ability to work for others, and what they're what they're adding to that that has not been happening in the past is they're staying if there is control implemented by the employer for purposes of complying with legal obligations, safety standards, or contractual or customer service standards, they are now going to say that also may indicate control. And that hasn't happened in the past, based on what all the experts and attorneys are saying. So if you look at something like the trucking industry, where you're going to have safety standards for over-the-road hauling of certain kinds of things, well, you're not affecting how the people are driving, when the people are driving, what loads the people are taking. But now they're going to say, well, if you tell them you got to have certain safety gear in your truck to comply with the law, that's not okay. I think about this in freelance writing where I routinely sign contracts that say, I hereby promise I will not steal anyone else's copyrighted words. I will write my own words. That has nothing to do with how or when or what I'm I'm writing but it could now be considered a factor of control just because we're saying we don't want you to violate copyright law, which to me sounds absolutely insane. Yeah. I mean, this is, it, it, it is crazy. And I just clearly, clear, clearly they don't on all levels, they just don't want ICs. I think that I, am I reading, am I, am I saying this right? That they're probably not going to get everybody in this, in this first phase, like how you were using the analogy of the beach. They're not going to get everybody they wanted to get, but they're going to get a decent amount of people here. Well, they're going to set a precedent for federal language being used to determine independent contractor status. That's their goal. If they can get a precedent in one area of law, you can then spread it like a cancer into other areas of law. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, if you see Karen's comment here too, uh, important about the truckers, Kim. Safety language is directed at them for sure. I see a lot of um, trucking industry people yelling about that on online. Um, yeah, we have a uh, Tom Kelly in here in the chat too, who runs a pretty much a truckers radio network out of Houston. And so I do a show with him on Friday nights, and we, you know, we we'll be talking about this this week for sure. I'm sure this this specific piece too because. These are all his, a lot of his people don't, you know, they're independent. Yeah. I'm sure there's a rabbit hole. You can go down in the trucking industry for days and same with the financial advisors, same with the interpreters, same with the freelance writers, same with every profession that is affected. Hundreds of professions that are affected by this. You could do entire shows about each profession. This kind of one size fits all attempts I call it freelance busting. You know how they talk about union busting? I see this as just attempts at freelance busting. They're just trying to get rid of independent contractors. And and 
I think you could do shows about every profession and, and talk yeah. for an hour about every profession. That's, that's what Ron is saying here. You know, this has nothing, his tin, I don't even think this is tin hat, Ron. This is just fact. This has nothing to do with gig workers. It's about self-employment. Um, that's how I see it too. I see it that, you know, like here, you know, uh, John Lopez is talking about the independent contractors are 59 million strong. We're 36% of the labor force. So AB5 took away jobs and there was supposed to be jobs promised. There was going to create jobs. Still to this day, I joke, I ask, uh, you know, uh, Karen Anderson, you, Gail Gordon, any any of these people that I ask, I'm like, hey, are you, uh, you know, like what's, you know, how many jobs are out there for maybe five? I'm aware of 66 new members of the Teamsters. Some trucking company made 66. So like 1.5 million jobs and careers killed, 66 <laughs> jobs created. Got it. It's, Just wanted to put that down in the facts. It's a ludicrous situation. But I mean, like to the to the nation, fifty nine million. What where where does that go? Like, what's the point? What's the point? What interestingly they, in what there? Do they hope to what do they hope to do? They want everybody not working. No, they want more people in unions. And if an independent contractor, by law, independent contractors cannot be unionized. So they want more people in unions. We are already something they don't want. So if our careers get destroyed, that's not really part of their thinking. If they if they believe they can get more people into employee roles and then unionize them, they see it as a win, no matter what the collateral damage is, because their goal is to rebuild unions. That's the goal. That's why they're trying to take the beach. Um, and as in any war, there's collateral damage. You just there's people who get destroyed. And that's going to be us is is their intent. So where are we now? Well, we're now at my favorite and your favorite, number five out of six. So you remember the problem with the ABC test in California, right? It was the B prong that killed everybody. And the B prong said, if you are in the same line of business as the person who's paying you, you are hereby now an employee, right? That was the problem. Nobody could get past B prong. Let's talk about number five in the new newly proposed U.S. Labor Department rule. They are going to look at the extent to which the work is an integral part of the employer's business. Sure sounds an awful lot like same line of business, right? Yeah. Different language. We're in the same neighborhood, though, of, you know, good luck convincing anybody that a a freelance writer producing an article for the New York Times is not doing something that's integral to the to the business, right? Um, it's it's they're going to look at whether they believe the work is critical, necessary, or central to the employer's principal business. And so, I have to say, for the the gig workers, you know, the, the app based folks out there, yeah, hi, hi, it's we're right back at at the same problem. You had a B prong. Of ABC test, right? It's it's all very similar, right? Because I I mean that's not only it, integral; it's it it's the only part. The driver, I mean, like I was saying, like you know, like we were joking around about the value of Lyft recently, or we do it a lot, but <laughs> we were joking about it recently, and I was saying they got you know it's it's for just the database, and at this point, nobody wants their database because the other companies are bigger than them. So it's like they don't have buildings, they don't have vehicles, they don't have FF&E. They don't have any of that stuff. So really, like the the values of these companies is just placed on only the independent contractor. 
I don't know how anybody gets around this factor five any more than you can get around that B prong of the ABC. You know, you can be a plumber who goes and does a job for a hairstylist, but you can't be a hairstylist who does a job for a hairstylist. So it does, it doesn't again, but you could be a hairstylist that does a job for a plumber. In theory, <laughs> plumbers don't care about their hair that much. I don't think. But I don't know, so that gets us to number six. Um, number six of six, they're going to look at, whether the worker uses specialized skills in what they're doing. So if they want to look at A, are you using specialized skills? And B, are those skills contributing to a business-like initiative? The example they give, they give, they talk about a welder. They say there's two different kinds of welders. Welder number one, Let's say you have a highly skilled welder who's providing his services to a construction firm. The welder does not make any independent judgments at the job site beyond just doing what he's doing. He's not determining the sequence of work. He's not ordering materials. He's not thinking about bidding for the next job. He's not using his skills to obtain additional jobs. He's told what work to do and where to do it. In that scenario, they're saying, yeah, he's a highly skilled guy, but we think he's an employee. They then give the example of welder number two. This guy has a specialty welding service, and he's offering that up for a variety of different construction companies. He's doing some kind of marketing to generate new business. He's not only technically skilled, but he's also marketing his skills in a way that seems like a business-like initiative. So therefore, we would find him to be an independent contractor. Now, that one almost sounds reasonable, right? Until you start thinking about somebody like a computer coder, which is a very big independent contractor field right now. People yes. who know specialized computer code, and they can go in and write whatever code that the companies need to build apps and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Those guys generally take on the, they can often take on a project that's like a six month project as an independent contractor, because it takes a while to write all that code, you know? So you're only working for the one client. You're happy with that six month thing that you've signed. You fully intend to go on and get other clients after that. But for that six month period, you can't pass this factor number six, because even though you're a highly skilled guy doing a highly skilled thing, you're just focused on what you're doing with this one client. It, same thing with um, like a ghostwriter who's working for a book publishing company. Um, you don't write a book in a day. I can tell you, I've written a bunch of books. You, you, it takes more than a day <laughs> to write a book. It takes a I would, little I would hope so. It takes a little time. <laughs> and so you may just be working on that one ghostwriting project for a publishing company for six months or whatever it is, you know, and Again, how do you how do you how do you get around that with the way some of these independent contractor careers work? I, I don't I don't know how. Yeah, I'm looking at Gail's comment here, and I I think she's trying. Is she here trying to say that like so as the owner operator of the opera house? Uh, you know, uh, don't know many opera companies who are singers or players. Is she saying that because she's not a singer or a player, why doesn't that apply? I don't exactly know what she means. Um, maybe she could post another comment. Who aren't? 
Oh, she had a typo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. So don't, yeah, don't nobody. So, okay. Well, that changes the whole comment. So. <laughs> he's um, saying, she's saying there's no way they can, they can pass it. It is again. It, it, the whole point of this is you can see that when they start showing their hand on how they're going to interpret things, even though these things have been used in the past, even though they've been used in the courts in the past, what's happening now is these freelance busting people are now going to try to interpret them in a way that still gets them the goal that they want, which is reclassifying as many of us as possible. You can, you can see exactly how they're doing it when you break it down, right? I mean, it's, it's very clear. Yeah, but again, I, I keep going back to, you know, like usually a plan has an outcome, like if you're going to take away 59 million workers right to be independent i don't want your force-fed job or whatever but you should have a lot of more opportunity out there for me if you're if first of all i'm not going to agree to that i'm going to fight it but if it did come to something like that where are these 59 million jobs coming from well not to mention we have had what have we had now since the pandemic, how long have they been saying there's not enough labor? There's not enough labor. There's help wanted signs everywhere. There's there's jobs for whoever wants them. It's not like people can't go get a job if they want to get a job right now. There's jobs all over the place right now. Yeah. And people are flocking to this instead. People are saying there's more people trying to be independent contractors now than they've ever measured before. And th this is actually an interesting point. The U S department of labor in their hundred buried in their 184 page <laughs> proposal, they, they say they think there's only about 20 million independent contractors in the country. And the data that they're using to come up with that number is from 2017. They're acting as if, the pandemic never happened. People right. didn't, you know, Kamala Harris never wrote in the New York Times that so many women are quitting their jobs, that it's a national emergency. All the new studies we've seen come out that say all these people are moving to open their own businesses and, you know, record setting numbers of people filing for EIN numbers to open small businesses and, and become independent contractors. All of it just never even happened. If you if you read this proposal so they're saying the number of people they think this will actually affect, it's really, really tiny. And the, the other thing they say that really got my goat was they wrote, we don't think anybody who's an independent contractor will spend more than about 15 minutes looking at this, talking about this, trying to respond to this, trying to deal with this. So we're not really wasting anybody's time. We're It's maybe costing them like 20 bucks of their life to deal with this. After we have all spent hours and hours testifying in their public hearings alone, let alone the past few years of all this other nonsense. It's just as if they exist in fantasy land where what they're doing is right and all of us are non-existent and it doesn't matter and they can just make stuff up. And, and as you said, they also write in this thing, we may also consider other things besides the six factors. Well, right. What are those things? Right. And that's just one sentence and it just ends. I'd like to know what those things are. Wouldn't you? I would too. Well, I don't think they know. I don't think no. they know. I think they're kind of winging it. And that's what I'm saying. Like this should have a, this should have a plan. This is too big to not have a plan. 
I believe they do have a plan. Their plan is to get rid of as many independent contractors as they can. But independent contractors, yeah. But this is this is. I mean, am I wrong that this is what this country is about? <laughs> We're yeah. supposed to be able to, if you can find a way to make it and not have a boss and do it on your own and be happy, and you're keeping within the legal boundaries of the law. What's the problem? Since the day the nation was founded. It, you can hang out a shingle and say, I'm open for business and do business with whoever you want. As long as, as you say, you're within the bounds of the law, you, you know, you pay your taxes, you, 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 you mind your manners. Um, Twas ever thus in the United States of America. And these people are coming in and trying to say, yeah, no, we, uh, we think more people should be employees and in unions. And so we're going to make it a heck of a lot harder for you to try to earn a living as your own boss. We don't, we don't, we don't want your kind. You're the wrong right. kind. We want, we want different kind. That's what we want. That's their goal. Right. And I understand they want everybody to be a, in unions. I understand this is the push, but it's like they're pushing the exact people who are going to do everything they can to stay away from unions. Well, Gallup recently put out a poll that all the union people are yelling about because it showed um, I forget the number, but it was it was a big number. It was like 60 or 70 or 80 percent, huge percent, uh, whatever it was of Americans now approve of unions. That was the headline. But if you kept reading it, it also found that very few people actually want to join one. So what it at what the Gallup thing actually showed is it was kind of like, yeah, everybody agrees we're cool with vanilla ice cream being in the dairy case. We think vanilla ice cream's fine. We approve of vanilla ice cream. We're cool with it being there. But we don't really want to buy vanilla if we can get mint chocolate chip or Rocky Road. So right. th th we're we're okay with vanilla, but it's really not what we're going to choose to do. And that's what that Gallup poll actually showed was the majority of Americans believe unions are good. But nobody really wants to be in one. <laughs> Less than half of Americans want to be in one. So You're right, it sounds to me like a question about like the question was more oriented at uh, you know, do you think it's right for unions to be allowed? And America answered with yes, I think it's right for anything to be allowed. Yeah. However, I don't, I, however, um, I don't want anything to do with it. Right. I mean, if I get to eat vanilla ice cream, somebody better be also handing me some hot fudge and maybe some cherries or whatever. Like, you know, but I'm yeah. cool with vanilla ice cream existing. I got no problem with that. I'm down right. with it. It's yeah. all right. So, yeah. So the this is ultimately the challenge they have. Right. The product they're trying to sell is a product that the majority of Americans don't want. So they have to create a little pain that will make us want it. That's what's happening here. So are they doing that though? I mean, well, are, 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 I mean, I know there's a, I know there's a Gallup poll that says vanilla ice cream and unions are cool. Right. From, <laughs> from my perspective, the past three years, I, I have never seen so many people from across the political spectrum from, you know, moderate Democrats straight on across to the most conservative Republicans joining together and saying, this is wrong. From what I see, what they're doing is creating backlash that didn't need to exist. You're in many ways, it's, it's Democrats attacking their own base with these freelance busting policies. A lot of the people fighting this thing are, 
people who have voted Democrat for a lot of years. And they're like, what is happening that I'm having to deal with this all the time? Why aren't they listening to me? And then you have, of course, the Republicans coming in and, and pouncing on it. Um, I think that depending on what happens in the elections next week, if as predicted, you know, the polls are showing Republicans are probably going to take at least the House of Representatives. I think you might start to see some kind of hearings in the House, in Congress, um, looking at what agencies like the U.S. Labor Department have been doing with respect to putting their thumb on the scale in favor of unions. I think we might start to see some of that, maybe not immediately, but but I think it's coming. If you follow the leaders of those committees on Twitter, you see them talking about this. You see them gearing up for some kind of a fight. I think they're getting ready to, to start putting a bit more of a spotlight on this, at which point, you know, my hope is it doesn't just become yet another politically divisive problem because this is a nonpartisan issue. Moderate Democrats in the United States Senate have shown that they agree with Donald Trump's labor secretary on this. You know, I can tell you when we fought the AB5 copycat bill in New Jersey, it was moderate Democrats and moderate Republicans who helped us stop it. It it this is this doesn't make sense to anybody except union organizers. That's the only people this makes sense to. Right. Yeah, it's it it, it actually just exactly reminds me of AB5. Like the first times you and I talked and and whatnot that you know AB5 wasn't like everybody in the state got their two cents in on this. Most people did. It was a small group of people that really got that that lit. I think if the pattern holds, we're we're going to see. I mean, what we saw in New Jersey was people rising up in the press, and the lawmakers couldn't ignore them, so they had to acknowledge that we existed. In the in the nationwide press, there has been an effort to keep independent contractors out. If you if you read the articles that labor reporters write in all the big media, it's almost always a headline about Uber and Lyft. It almost never includes anybody from any other profession in the story. Right. They're they're doing what they did in California, which is trying to make it seem like it's one thing when it's really something much much bigger. They're trying to make it seem like it's specific only to app based workers when it's exactly it's hundreds and hundreds of professionals. And that's, and that's what I said initially was that I thought AB five was to throw a net over the gig workers, but really it ended up casting all over the freelancers, self employed people who've been in business for generations. Like I said, this is freelance busting. This is about trying to limit the choice of self-employment in the United States because self-employed people cannot be unionized. It's very, it's very easy to understand. I don't agree with it. I think it's completely against the way this nation has been run. And, you know, I didn't start a business 20 years ago to end up having this fight now. You know, this is insane to me, but this is where we're at. This is what's going on. Hopefully... You know, you got to hope, let's say, let's say the polls are right and the Democrats take a shellacking next week in the election. Now, I, I know politics is very fiery right now, and I'm only talking specifically about this self-employment issue. I'm not talking about any other issues. On this issue, it has been coming from the progressive left, from the Democratic Socialists of America, the Communist Party USA has has been pushing this, you know. Yep. If there's a big shellacking of Democrats next week, perhaps we'll start to see some of the moderates in the party push back 
on these kinds of ideas and going forward, maybe they'll be a bit more reasonable, but I don't see that happening in places like the U.S. Labor Department that will not be affected by the elections. The elections don't affect the White House this year. They don't affect who's running these agencies and who's trying to do this rulemaking type of stuff. And it's not just the U.S. Labor Department where it's happening in the executive branch. It's also the National Labor Relations Board. The Federal Trade Commission got involved. There's yeah, and I was going to ask about that too. What is up with the FTC and the NLRB getting together? Well, they're what they're trying to do is have these agencies be able to work together on this issue. So, like for instance, the Federal Trade Commission can go after companies for things like making false promises. I don't know what the exact language is, but it's things like making false promises. So let's say the FTC decides Uber's been telling drivers you're going to make $36 an hour. And then the FTC figures out, well, the drivers are only making $12 an hour. Now, all of a sudden, the FTC can come in and say, well, we're going to file a thing against Uber and have an investigation. And we're going to now partner since we've launched an investigation. We're going to bring in the labor department. We're going to bring in this other department. And now all of a sudden you have everybody piling on to that same company, to Uber. That's what these memorandums of agreement among these agencies are about. Start an investigation in one, spread it around to others. So the company will have to play defense on multiple levels at once. So I see Tom Kelly here saying that if the Dems get smacked, uh, we will see more of, you know, I, this is his belief. This is Tom from the, he's the, the TNC radio deals with a lot of truckers and stuff. And, uh, I, I mean, I think you and I were talking about this, even this is kind of what you mentioned. He's is saying that, if they get smacked, Oh, the we'll executive see. branch will see more of this. Certainly very possible, right? Because they're going to feel desperate and cornered like trapped squirrels, right? They're going to be the last ones standing and try to use whatever authority they have to push through as much. That is one way that this could very well go. And then the driven mom here says, uh, besides making an educated vote on Tuesday, what else can be done to stop this? That's a that's a loaded question. but Really good question. Right now, the theater of war that is active is the U.S. Labor Department, right? So we are in the public comment period right now, and it, and it lasts now until into December. Um, if you want to be on the safe side, get it done before Thanksgiving. You can go to federalregister.gov. Just type in the words independent contractor. The very first thing that's going to pop up is what we're talking about here today. And you click on it and it very clearly says, make a public comment. You, you just write your comment. You say, here's what I think of your six-factor test. Here's who I am. Here's how it, would, it could affect me. Here's how it could misclassify me as an employee. Here's the economic harm that it could cause to me. Please stop what you're doing. This is a bad idea. XOXO, right. love Steve. That's right. <laughs> <Love me. laughs> yeah. um, but yeah. That's what I, you can do right now. And and like I said, right does now. Does that, that do anything though? Well, what's I, I'm all for right it, but does that, it do anything? Well, by law, they have to respond to comments about the rule. So like I said, that whole process is being overrun by bots and spam right now. But by law, they're supposed to respond to concerns that people, that real people raise about the rule. So 
if you can be a little bit articulate, even about one part of the rule that you're worried about, that should help in the long run, whether it's, you know, is it going to stop them? Probably not. They've probably already got their minds made up. We, we talked from the top about who these folks are and their intent and what they're trying to do, but they have to follow the law. They're supposed to respond to things and there's going to be lawsuits coming up in the federal courts. So let's get all the ammo we can to defend the beach is how I feel about it. So, and I'm saying that figuratively, no one go and beat up anybody with a hammer. I saw a couple things in here. Gail, of course, is like, yeah, let's get them. Yeah, <laughs> I love Gail, but don't, don't everybody settle them. down with the inflammatory language, but <laughs> It is important to play defense in all these arenas because all of this stuff is interrelated. And once it's all in the public record, inevitably lawyers are going to get their hands on it. And hopefully, hopefully we win in the end. So let me at least let me ask you this as we wrap it up here, because I think this is an important question in a best case scenario. And maybe it's not even fully election related. I don't know. But in a best case scenario and in a worst case scenario. What does post next week look like? So best case scenario is probably the rule goes into a, well, yeah, two things going on, right? Best case scenario, just on this issue, just specific to this issue, not specific to any other issues. You're going to end up with gridlock in Congress, right? You're going to have at least one branch of Congress controlled by Republicans, you're going to still have Joe Biden as president. So legislatively at the federal level, the problem should go away for a while. Executive branch wise, I think nothing changes. Like we talked about, I think that process continues. I think at and that- nobody should be shocked by that either, because this has been Biden's legacy. He campaigned on a promise to do this, to make yeah. 85 nationwide. So yeah. I think at that point, People in states like mine, in blue states, where um, you still have complete control of the government in one party, you know, places where they were talking about coming at us with this before uh, New Jersey, New York, Illinois. There's been talk now in Pennsylvania. There's, um, was it Montana? I saw the other, Minnesota, maybe. Yeah, yeah, you know, I heard about Minnesota, too. Might have been Minnesota. It's popping yeah. up in, in other places now. I think you might, at that point, start to see some of this come back in the States and have to gear up and fight in the States a little bit. Um, maybe not a little bit, maybe a lot. We'll see. Uh, again, though, it's, it's going to kind of depend on how bad the shellacking is, you know, here in New Jersey, we had a, an election last year where last year or the year before, I don't know, the pandemic's all a blur, but the governor was running and all the polls had him up by a bazillion points. He's, he's a Democrat. And all of a sudden the, the votes were counted and oh my gosh, he almost lost. He came real close to losing. And the Senate president, that one of the most powerful Democrats in the state actually did lose to a truck driver named well, Ed Durr. I was Durr, just going to say that, yeah. Um, and I was very happy about that because that Senate president was the lead spot. He was our Lorena Gonzalez. He's the one who put the copycat bill forward. Um, so depending on how bad the shellacking is, you know, I know from people we talked to within that party here in New Jersey, where that party is very powerful, that they do not agree with how far to the left 
the party is gone. They think it's hurting the party. And I think you're going to see a little bit of infighting in the Democratic Party. That would be good for independent contractors if the moderates regained control. Um, and again, I'm just talking specific to this issue. I know there's a lot of issues people feel very passionately about. I do as well. Um, uh, for the record, I'm a registered independent. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. Hold on. Yeah. And that's I, what I always make very clear on this channel is that this isn't, I say this isn't political, but we have to talk about political subjects because it just intertwines. There's no way to. This is where it's there. coming from, right? So you got to do it. So, so what do I think? You know, best case scenario with this USDOL thing, it, the elections will have no effect on this process. The best case scenario for this is they put it, they put it through sometime maybe over the summer next year and immediately they get sued and it gets tied up in court and somebody wins in court. Uh, I think multiple lawsuits are going to be filed on multiple basis, like different angles of, of trying to take it down and we'll see who wins. You know, um, I heard a lawyer say, we're going to put multiple torpedoes in the water. <laughs> it's how they, they describe yeah. it. Um, so, you know, at that point, you're talking about if it goes into effect in summer 2023, they immediately get sued. It takes until at least summer 2024 to work that out. Well, you're already at the next election. You're now at the presidential election of 2024 at that right. point, right? So, you know, there's a lot going on and a lot that could happen between now and then, but politics will come into play again. And at that point, you maybe will have had some hearings on Capitol Hill about this led by what it looks like is going to be a Republican controlled Congress. You know, a, a lot more information may start to trickle out to the general public, which has always been the problem with this issue, right? People like us who are directly in the crosshairs of this thing have started to become keenly aware of what's going on. But when you go and like go to a party and try to talk to people about it and explain it, they're like, that, that sounds crazy. That could never happen. And you say, well, it did happen in California. Well, they'd never take it national. Well, they did. They came within three <laughs> votes of passing it. And then they say, well, I don't think they'd actually. Well, they're actually doing it now in the U.S. Labor Department. You know, hopefully if we can get the issue a little bit more out there in the world, maybe that is what happens if there's some congressional hearings and things like that, where you start to get a little more media coverage that's about the issue in its entirety. You start to get more people to understand what's at stake here. And at that point, maybe it starts to resolve a little bit too. Anything could happen, you know, who knows? Right. But you don't see anything within the time span of like, if things go horribly wrong, that by the end of the year anything, or any or shortly after the new year, anything's going to be implemented to the point where it's not going to be challenged in court. I think there's zero chance this does not get challenged in court. Well, yeah. Yeah. The 100% chance there's going to be lawsuits. The really only the question is, do the federal judges like make an emergency stay or, or whatever the language ends up being to block the implementation while the court cases are playing out? I just, my gut tells me they're going to block implementation until the court battles start playing out. But I mean, I guess in theory that couldn't happen, but lawyers aren't stupid. They're going to file the cases in jurisdictions where they have favorable judges who, you know, they already beat the U.S. Labor Department once when the Labor Department tried to do this. They know where to go. You know, this isn't, 
It's not exactly rocket science. Yeah. I mean, and, I, and I say that with love to the lawyers who yeah. are going to fight with us, you know, fight for us. Here it's COVID of ram it through. That's their playbook. She's right. They rammed it through in yeah. California. They tried to ram it through in New Jersey during the lame duck session. They oh, tried right. to sneak it into the pro act without ever talking about it. No question. That's what's going on here. So other than writing or making a comment right now during this period or and making sure that you vote, of course, uh, what, I mean, what else can people do? The only other thing we encourage people to do all the time at Fight for Freelancers is make your voice heard. So whether that's reaching out to whoever your newly elected officials are, maybe writing a letter to the editor or an op-ed in your local media, all of that stuff, it's kind of like kindling turns into a nice big raging fire. And the more of us who speak up and speak out, the... um, the better we're going to do. Our website is um, up on the screen now. It's actually .com. Uh, fight, it's fightforfreelancersusa.com. And you can also come and find us on Facebook, where if you just type in Fight for Freelancers into Facebook, you'll find our Facebook group. And we have all different kinds of independent contractors in there. Yes, it was created by writers here in New Jersey, but we now have thousands of members, you know, graphic designers, there's a psychiatrist who operates as an independent contractor. There's there's just people from all different, there are app-based drivers, there are some trucking people, there's all different kinds of people in there talking about this and trying to figure out how to fight this. And we have some good resources in there. Like if you want to file a public comment, but maybe writing isn't your thing and you feel a little self-conscious about it, we have kind of like a Mad Libs fill in the blank, um, how to how to write a public comment you know, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is why I want to stay an independent contract. You know, we have things that can help you because we're writers and we're good. You know, we're doing what we're good at. Um, so yeah, come and come and join us and, and make sure you make your voice heard a, with a public comment, go to federalregister.gov, type in independent contractor, file your public comment, try to get it done before Turkey day. If you, if you want to be on the safe side and then just keep up the noise is what we always say. Just keep the volume turned up so they know we're not going away. And you guys, I will have all of those. I, right now I have uh, the link to this website correctly, though, in the, not the way I typed it out first, in the show notes. And I have a link to Kim's Twitter page, but I will put a link to the uh, to putting making your voice heard as well as to the Facebook group that Kim's talking about, too. So. I'm looking um, at the comments now for the first time too. It seems like we didn't suck. People are generally happy. Oh no, so. there was there has been a lot of comments. I'm sorry if anyone's commenting <laughs> at me. I'll have to go back and look. No, no, they were all they were all good. In fact, a lot of usually I bring them up and I'll like star them, but I kind of wasn't doing that today because they were all talking amongst themselves along with our conversation. So it was actually really, really well done because I had a couple of moderators in here too that uh, were keeping an eye on things and. and everything was good. It was all a great conversation. It was all following this. So, um, Kim, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this because a lot of people can't put it as well as articulated as well as you can for us sometimes. So I really do appreciate you coming on and doing this, especially because this is a crazy time that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not just a gig worker. I don't just work gig platforms. So to me, freelancing and, and being self-employed is a must. Like I don't, I can't go, if I have 10 things I do, I can't choose which one I'm going to do. It won't pay the bills. 
for me, it's a hundred percent of my income and it has been for 20 years intentionally. Yeah, that's what I, I was a staff editor in newspapers and magazines for a decade. I like this better. I make more money. I'm happier. I, I prefer it. And um, we, I like to say, you know, everybody brings something to the table on this issue. And together we are very, very strong as a group. The thing that writers bring is if these people want to fight with the written word, game on, baby. That's where we excel. So (laughs) that's where the leaders of Fight for Freelancers really can shine and help people. Oh my God, somebody's comparing me to the Jedi. So I love it. I'm a big Star Wars and Star Trek and all those things. I love the Marvel thing, all of it. I'm very into it. And and now there's going to be a Christmas one where the the Guardians of the Galaxy kidnap Kevin Bacon. I saw, I'm very excited about all of it. Um, But yeah, we, uh, if... If you're in a profession where you have something to say and you don't know how to say it, Fight for Freelancers can help you because, again, created and run by freelance writers, we're, we're very good at the arguing with words, whether it's on Twitter, public comments, op-eds. We can help with that. And we've been doing it now since 2019. So you probably aren't going to have an idea we haven't run into already among our thousands of members and everybody really does work together. There's lots of writers and editors in that group and everybody comes up with really good ideas and is willing to help the people who maybe aren't as comfortable fighting with words, but who have a great story to tell that should be told. This is, this is why we're here. And, and it's all grassroots. We pay for it all ourselves. Like I just paid the annual bill for our website, which I think was $114 total. Um, People keep accusing us of taking dark money because our website looks good. And I'm like, yeah, a hundred bucks. That's going to break us. (laughs) Um, But uh, we we all just do it in our spare time. So um, it's a really, really great group of people who are really just across the board some liberal, some conservative. It's a lot of women. We're, we're, we're a lot of women in our group, but we got, we got men and, um, everybody's just very dedicated to wanting to keep our, our incomes and our careers. And we all yeah. agree on this thing. We do not allow political bashing and stupidity in our group. If you're going to come in and be one of those flame throwing lunatics on social media, we kick you out. Yeah. So we try to make sure it's a safe space. Um, gets a little heated sometimes, you know, people are passionate about it, but we really, really try hard to make everybody feel welcome. So no matter who you are, no matter what you do, if you want to come join us at Fight for Freelancers, we would love to have you. Yeah, and honestly, you want you want to be where Kim is. I do. I want to be. I want to be where Kim is because I want to know <laughs> what's going on. I'll get the quickest pulse on the situation. Um, because I'm sure I'll be like tweeting her next week right after the elections. And okay, there's the, there's the numbers. What now? Now what? What does this all mean? Yeah, <laughs> like I'm some expert. I mean, I'm just some lady sitting on her couch. But we've made a lot of friends. In Washington and, and in legal circles and, you know, you do this for a couple of years and people figure out you're articulate, all of a sudden they want to help you. So we have a lot of really smart people giving us a lot of information and advice. And and I say that on it's coming from both sides of the aisle. So um, we are we are pleased that we've been able to do that. Sometimes it pays to be a geek. We're shining in our geekdom on this issue, and uh, we're happy to have anyone come join us who wants to help with the fight. Yeah. Uh, you guys, check out all of Kim's stuff. Um, if you're on Twitter, and Twitter's a safer place now. 
<laughs> so if you're on Twitter, check out Kim, but check out uh fight for freelancers, USA.com. Um, you know, check out, check out Karen Anderson's group, check out Gail Gordon's story. You can find all that on this channel too. Uh, we've gone through all this stuff before and I've had Kim on a couple times too. So, uh, but this is, this is not time to screw around. It's time to, even if you're doing everything you can, here's how I'd say it is at least stay aware. Don't put your guard down because it, I mean, not that they did in California, but nobody expected what happened there. Everybody's like, that's not going to happen. Everybody. And it happened. It happened. And it's going to happen again if we don't stop them. So file those public comments, federalregister.gov, type in independent contractor, get it done before Turkey Day. I will put it in the show notes as soon as this show's over, guys, so you don't even have to look it up. Just you'll be able to just click it and do it. Yeah. So uh, with that said, you guys, thank you all for joining us. I see that we had quite a few people in here today, and I really... And a, a good mix of people too. I really am happy to see this. I'm going to have to go back through all these comments after it processes because there was a ton in here today. And uh, yeah. And thank you all for joining us. Kim, thank you for your time. It's uh, it's so helpful. And at least it like calms everybody down a little bit. I love talking to you, Steve. And I think you have a great show and I listen to it. I'm a fan of the show in addition to being a, an occasional guest. So keep up the good work. Thank you. Kim. All right, everybody. You have a good day. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.